0: What's good, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Haven Podcast, powered by SB Nation. You can find it at hogshaven.com, at hogshaven on Twitter, and on Facebook. I am your host, Molly Maul Jamal. Force, you can find me on Twitter at Let Maul Tell It Do Not Forget to You. Uh, you know why we're here today? It, it is not a pretty sight for the Washington Commanders three games into the regular season. Uh, yes, they have 14 games left, but the trend in which they are headed uh, is not a promising direction, unfortunately. Um, this is the post game recap. Uh, First and foremost, uh, I am very frustrated this morning. (laughs) I am recording this very early in the morning, but just for full transparency, we did have a podcast ready Sunday uh, with my good man Damien Martonic. Um, Obviously, like I said, he does the post-game shows with us, but my audio was so bad. Um, Unfortunately, I had to redo the episode, and I'm going to find a way to make that up to (laughs) Damien. um i'm definitely gonna find a way to make that up to damien obviously we'll try to uh i'm going to dallas next week as well so that's going to be uh challenging for for trying to record the podcast just on a normal schedule um but we'll definitely try to make sure that uh we double up on 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 one of these weeks with damien to get him on a couple times throughout the throughout the week uh and for for hogs haven and stuff like that so Yes, this is the second attempt of the the post game podcast with all that being said. Um obviously uh this is a very um interesting day for the Commanders because on this Monday morning uh, as we all get ready to start our weekend, our excuse me, our week uh, and, and the Commanders get ready to start their week, uh we're reflecting on what happened yesterday afternoon against the Philadelphia Eagles and uh it was really just a a very unfortunate and quite embarrassing showing by the commander's offense, uh, all four quarters, really. And the frustrating thing that we all kind of understand is that, you know, when you look at that game against the Detroit Lions, like, it left you, most people, with so much promise that you could score 27 points at one half and be convinced or, or encouraged that, you know, if they can do this on a full game basis that they're actually they're a lethal offense they're an explosive offense right and if you all listen to this side at least you all know very well that that first half was very alarming and it wasn't just the fact that they were they were they just couldn't get off the ground and and couldn't get anything rolling it was the fact that there were opportunities there and they weren't able to capitalize There was adjustments to be made, and they waited too late to do them. Carson Wentz saw some things, or saw some pressure and felt some pressure, and his eyes stopped looking downfield. The offensive line wasn't protecting that well, and the minute that they did have some protection again, first half, uh, Carson Wentz couldn't find anybody. Like sure, the offensive line wasn't playing that well. Sure, uh. Carson Wentz wasn't seen in the field well at times. And he, he ran into a couple of sacks. And Scott Turner wasn't able to adjust quicker against a team that, you know, you had, the, the book was laid out for you and you weren't able to adjust. And all that, all of those prom, uh, culminations of things transitioned into a game against the Philadelphia Eagles where, again, you had so much courage and so much um, optimism about what could be that you come out and, and have another dud, and and this dud against the Philadelphia Eagles is worse than what you could have imagined. Like, you thought that, you know, it couldn't get no worse than Detroit, and it absolutely did. Um, Ron Rivera spoke, obviously, after the game, and, you know, he had some words about how uh, things can be for Washington, and uh, I, he, he spoke in his post-game press, and we'll hand it to him and, and get his get his thoughts on how he felt about this game, and obviously what it means for him uh, this season moving forward. Rod, division games always count seem to count more. Where do you where do you feel this is right now between you and Philly and, and Dallas? Oh, I, I think it, it's it's right where it needs to be as far as I'm concerned. You know, we've still got 14 games left. We're one and two. I mean, it's an early part of the season. We've got a young group of guys are getting opportunities to play, learn, and grow and develop as a as a unit. So um, you know, I I do think this is a chance for us to continue to to grow and get better as a football team. You know, playing an awful lot of young guys out there, and the only way to get better is through experience. We'll take a few lumps right now, but we'll start giving them out pretty soon too. That was Ron Rivera after the game against the Eagles, and uh, about his his younger guys and the fact that they're going to take some lumps and bruises, but eventually things will turn the corner and they'll start handing out the lumps and bruises. I think the thing for Rivera. And the theme for this game, outside of them thoroughly getting their ass whooped from a coaching standpoint, um, and I think it really comes down to the depth issues and also the decisions that they made in the offseason. We've talked about that continuously, right? Um, You're thin amongst the defensive line, obviously with Two Hill going out and uh Daniel Wise is being hurt. Phil Matt is being hurt. Um, you don't have any veterans to really bring in. You're rolling with your younger guys and F.L. Bada and even uh, the nose tackle Ridgeway, who uh, really just got some time. And, like, he's new to the team. You don't really have any veterans. And, and again, like Matt Ioannidis and Tim Settle were guys that, uh, while you may or may not wanted to keep them or, – or, excuse me, you may or may not wanted to keep Tim Settle – Once free agency hit, and Tim Settle may not have wanted to be here, but you damn sure could have kept Matt Ioannidis, given, you know, his situation. All things changed once Carson Wentz was traded, and you were able, you had to move on from Eric Flowers, you moved on from Matt Ioannidis, or you told yourself you had to move on from Eric Flowers, uh, Matt Ioannidis, Tim Settle. At one point, J.D. McKissick, who found his way back to Washington, and then Brandon Sheriff. you made it easy to let him go, right? And, and now you're having these issues on the interior offensive line. um. And now you're having these issues with the defensive line and depth issues uh, and, and not knowing who to play in the interior of that defense. And those things start piling up from decisions you made in the offseason. Uh, and when we talk about essentially the coaching job today, I can't even get too mad at De- Jack D'Orio on that side of the ball, regardless of their depth. Uh, concerns, right? Look, at one point you hold the Philadelphia Eagles to zero points in the first quarter. <laughs> these guys scored twenty-four points in the first in the second quarter, and the only thing you have left to ask is where is my offense at? I shut these guys out in the first quarter, and up until two minutes left to go in the second quarter, I, I'm it's it's a ten-nothing score. So where is my offense at? Washington loses twenty-four to eight and um the the big picture really does start with coaching and then obviously um when we talk about the offensive side of football offensive line in uh, when we talk about that, where is where is my offense at Scott Turner again we, we spoke on Detroit and, and how they they how they failed against the Lions now you look at that full game sample size against the Philadelphia Eagles where uh, pressure is getting Carson Wentz often um, nine sacks for 58 yards on the day. And at one point, this offense was outscored 300 or out gained 322 uh, yards in the first half to to 50 for Washington. Devontae Smith had a full game's worth of sets in the first half for seven catches for 156 yards and one touchdown. If you're seeing your quarterback and Carson Wentz get hit that much from an offensive line who were worked, from tackle to guard to center, why on earth are you I, the the seven step dropbacks, the max? I mean the 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 long pass protection sets is is putting too much stress on the offensive line who was struggling to begin with. And then, not only was the offensive line struggling, when we sort of go back to what we mentioned with Detroit and how that that first half happened, Carson Wentz was holding the ball too long against Philadelphia. Uh, but, but how does how does your, your coordinator kind of counter what he's seeing in, on the field and, and, and these adjustments being made? And, and sometimes you just can't get things going, but for it to happen two games in a row, it, it is problematic and it is troublesome to the point where when you look at uh, the culmination or combination between Scott Turner and Carson Wentz, you're asking yourself if you can really get the job done with 14 games left in the season can you really get the job done with 14 games left in the season and, and, and the, the true answer is you don't know. And the the trend suggests that it's it's going it's going south. Um the first game of the season, you got up 14-3 against the Jacksonville Jaguars and we talked about <laughs> for the fourth time, we talked about that second game of the season. Uh the the first game showed this showed this flaws too. Like the fact that you're down 14 uh what twenty one to fourteen or twenty two to fourteen at some point after going up fourteen to three, and you're you're getting three and outs, having turnovers against the Jaguars, you're not able to sustain anything offensively. That carried itself into the next game and obviously carried itself even further into the, the third game. So you're asking yourself what Scott Turner is doing to really uh, combat the lows that <laughs> Rivera loves to call it on offense, but also. How do you protect Carson Wentz from himself in a situation where he's not going to see the he's not going to see the field well once that pressure starts getting to him? But also, uh, how do you get your the ball into the weapons of your 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 playmakers quicker? Terry McLaurin, six catches for 102 yards. His first reception didn't come until the third quarter. His first target didn't come until two minutes left in the second quarter. Devonte Smith had seven catches for 156 yards for one touchdown in the first half. Jahan Dawson, same thing. I think his first targets, he, had, he probably had two targets in the first, first half, but every single target looked like it was uh, a prayer thrown to the receiver. Like you're hoping that it's completed. Instead of trying to dial something up, and, and again, like a lot of people point to screenplays, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a screenplay. It could be like a, a clear out for your receiver. You can have clear out routes and, and have Terry McLaurin uh, underneath of it. Or you can have a clear out and have Terry Terry going over top of a of a of, of a of a play or something. Same thing with your other receivers, Jahan Dotson, or or um, even De'Ami Brown to that extension. Curtis Samuel, you kind of know what he does. He's not moving beyond ten yards the line of scrimmage, um, so he's there within that that zero to ten yard range. But ultimately, when you're asking what these guys are capable of doing, you're just you know, you're asking these questions and you're saying, what could Scott Turner have done to make things better? And um, it, it's ultimately to the point where when you see how these guys are playing, uh, you, you question how predictable is it? How predictable is it for Scott Turner? And excuse me, for opposing defenses on Scott Turner. Because it's, it's looking like rocket science for for Scott to try to figure out how can he move the ball effectively with the weapons that you have. And for the receivers talk, for all the receiver talk that I've said, uh, all the receiver talk that, you know, many people have said in, in terms of the explosiveness for this offense. Uh, so with Carson Wentz, uh, the quote unquote offensive line with John Masco coaching him, you know, a lot of people weren't concerned. But, you know, we talked about this offense talk about this of the football uh, throughout the entire way leading up into the season, how concerned we were because we it's a new unit. Andrew Norwell, Trey Turner, slow guys. They're not athletes. They're not quick on their feet. They don't have that much lateral quickness. Um, they're going to continue to get beat. They're top heavy because they don't have that much uh, agility and, and athleticism from the lower end. Uh, so, all these explosive parts for all the all the makings of, of an explosive offense, that can be. It's not going to go too far if your quarterback and your offensive coordinator is going to struggle the way it is. You can have all the weapons in the world you want, and it's going to continue to look this way, unfortunately. So you have six sacks in the first half, I believe, for for your offense. And um, the the point in which you're talking about trying to run the ball at one point, Antonio Gibson, five carries, nearly five yards a carry. It's averaging like 4.8 at one point. He finished the game uh, 12 carries for 38 yards on a 3.2 yards per carry average. Again, at one point, he was averaging nearly five. So it got to the point where washington couldn't even run the ball anymore but you look at antonio gibson and and even the offensive line like they were having some success in power power run game was there and scott turned a shot away from it because he wanted to get the play action involved it's just the culmination of things unfortunately and like i said uh the defense obviously gave up 24 points in one quarter uh but that's the the product or the result of a dam breaking. They're on the field too much. The offense can't sustain anything. Um, Carson Wentz again sacked nine times, had two fumbles, lost one, could have lost the other one, but recovered the, the second one. Got got lucky and recovered the second one. This game was a culmination of how bad the offense played. Unfortunately, here's Carson Wentz after the game in terms of how he played uh, against the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, you know, hats off to them. That's a good defense. It's a good team. Um, they got after us and yeah, I, I did not play to my standards and, uh, especially early. Uh, I think that's tough. And unfortunately back-to-back weeks kind of dug ourselves a hole there. And, um, I gotta be better, especially early on so that we're not, you know, having to throw the whole second half and let them play coverage and, um, do some things differently. So I gotta be better. Definitely not good enough. Um, you know. All right. So from a big picture standpoint, and this is, like uh, it's it's not it's not pretty, right? Trying to envision a big picture thing, but from a big picture standpoint, you know, you after three games, not just from Wentz and not just from Turner, now we're talking about the whole picture of the defense side of the football as well, and Ron Rivera. With all the confidence that Ron Rivera has in his team, which he should, right? But with all the confidence you have in your team. After a game in which the, the Detroit Lions convinced you, you were very frustrated, and um, the, the the tone has kind of changed in the the post game against the Philadelphia Eagles, and you're more optimistic and and, and hopeful about you know where this team is headed because of the youth that they have. You you get to a point where you question if both coordinators are capable of doing their job. Jack Del Rio, again, the reason why I didn't talk too much about the defense here is because you know what the, the products you're going to get on that side of the ball. Shout out to Benjamin St. Jude's had a really good game. Solid game, Deron Payne, solid game. But you know what you're going to get on that side of the ball. That defense is going to struggle on a week-to-week basis. You don't know which, which, <laughs> which side of, or which unit is going to let you down, but you know that at some point, this defense can't hold up for all four quarters. And for them to do what they did, the intensity that they had, even into the third quarter, 24-0, they're still fighting. Like, they're the reason why Washington avoided a shutout in the first place. They, Deron Payne gets a sack, two points on the board, a uh, shutout avoided, right? But with everything involved, Scott Turner, uh, Jack Del Rio, Ron Rivera, you ask yourself: like, Scott Turner and Jack Del Rio are so questionable at this point. You have to ask, are both coaches capable of returning in 2023? And the reason why we know about Jack Del Rio and his product is because he had talent on the side of the football. And we're trying to figure out why these guys are doing better. Now, the, the argument could be had that it was overrated, but he has talent. You look at Scott Turner, I saw somebody on Twitter yesterday said Scott Turner is only three games into a new offense with better weapons blah blah blah, we, not, we gotta give him a chance. Why do you have to give a guy a chance with a 36 game sample size? This is the offense that he had before he had this talent this is the offense that he has with this talent right? And the offense is continuously putting out duds for large spurts of a game important spurts of a game important spurts and long enough spurts to the point where you're you find yourself trailing by nearly double digits again if you remember from the Jacksonville post game I said at one point if you think about that swing that Jacksonville had right it was a 19 point swing I believe 22 to 14 it ultimately could have been larger than that a 26 point swing because of the touchdowns and opportunities that they missed like clear touchdown opportunities so it could have been a larger deficit that Washington faced in Week One. So I say all that to say, you look at these coordinators, like Jack Del Rio had potential to be fired in the in the regular season, the way that the defense was trending. Um, not right now, but later on in the season, if Scott Turner continues to uh, mismanage or the mismanage a game, mismanage a half, late two adjustments, and ultimately. Um, is un- is incapable of of really showing his versatility to, to find ways to get Terry to football uh, when it when it's important like your number one receiver your highest paid receiver like the Titans aren't even involved in the passing game like that I mean Logan Thomas is is you know he is who he is right but at the same time uh, when you talk about versatility from that position you're only seeing Logan Thomas. John Bates is a guy who's clearly been involved in the passing game. He had one target against the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, zero receptions. But John Bates is more focused on pass blocking and run blocking, as he should. But where's Armani Rodgers? Obviously, we know Cole Turner is still taking his time getting back. But you have athletes at that tight end position. And Logan Thomas isn't able to stretch the field. He, he's not that vertical threat in terms of being able to create separation. He's rarely been able to create separation. He's been more so of a possession guy. You could throw it to him. He could use his body to, to create a separation in that instance. So, like, you have your pieces on offense, and uh, these spurts continue. It's going to be problematic because now you're talking about not just one side of the ball struggling, you're talking about another side of the ball who people thought was going to be the backbone of this team to keep them in games, to score quickly, to put up uh, seven points within two minutes of a possession. Now you're talking about a, a, a team failure in, in all of these things. So uh, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for Washington to turn things around. My confidence level in that uh, isn't too high in terms of like an a, a, a in-season fix. I think that if they can find some chemistry and actually get some momentum moving forward and sustain some momentum, at least on the offensive side of the football, then you'll probably be able to compete from a week-to-week basis. Dallas is up next. Um, the issue with Dallas is that they have Michael Parsons. It's not that they have Cooper Rush and that there's an opportunity on the defensive side of the football. It's that they have a defense that's still intact. And if that interior offensive line and offensive line in general is incapable of pass protecting against the Dallas front, they're going to be in it just as much as Philadelphia and Detroit was in Jacksonville. So the theme of this <laughs> podcast, as I get out of here, is that the pressure is on Scott Turner just as much as it's on Jack, uh, Jack Del Rio. And for all bad that Jack Del is playing, it, Ron Rivera is realizing that you know he ain't the scapegoat no more. He'll eventually realize that he ain't the scapegoat no more. Jack Del Rio. Scott Turner can't be the scapegoat. You're gonna have to find a way to fix this in season because as bad as these guys are performing uh, from a preparation standpoint, an execution standpoint, in the in the games, if both of them are bad, th- this was a reflection on you. This is a reflection on the decision that you made in the offseason. This is the reflection. You gave Scott Turner a three-year extension before anyone asked for it. But you gave him a three-year extension. You chose to sign the people that you chose to sign in the offseason, Andrew Norwell, Trey Turner, people that you were familiar with people that uh arguably or or to this point of the season is showing that uh they aren't athletically capable of, of of performing certain things that you're asking them to perform you chose to let go of certain people again you chose not to sign you chose not to bring back DeAndre Carter kick returner you chose not to bring back or sign veterans on the defensive line excuse me you chose not to go after linebackers you see a Cole Holcomb and Jamin Davis were it you're going to give them an opportunity this is dead big year three for you Ron Rivera and for you to make the decision that you made it's to the point where you know if if you don't fix this if these guys aren't capable of fixing this your coach have you the only finger that points uh in terms of uh, who who's the blame about this all the fingers are going to come back to you there is no more sam mills on this team sam mills the third the scapegoats are gone <laughs> you can try to you i mean you can actually try to use a scapegoat if you want to but the scapegoats are gone comes down to coaching man comes down to getting your team right and for them guys to look and embarrassingly bad as they did against the philadelphia eagles is problematic um so uh there's not much good to really come out of that game to be honest with you uh except for the two people that i called out on defensive side of the football outside of that uh this is is a really rough game man and uh you don't know again which direction they're gonna head but you do hope that ron rivera it is able to at least build a competitive season for these guys. Um, because the way in which it is trending currently after three games, uh, you don't know you're and, and people are going to question to what degree can you really believe in Ron Rivera and, and trust him. So, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. With that being said, I'm out of here. Uh, back on Wednesday with the final review of Philadelphia and Washington, and then we'll get focused on the Dallas game, y'all. Keep your heads up. All that good stuff, man. Peace.